Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson. In a little bit, we'll hear Stephen's conversation with Shamari Wills, the author of Black Fortunes, the story of the first six African Americans who escaped slavery and became millionaires. And we'll hear his conversation with Richard Rothstein, whose book's book, The Color of Law, explores the role the federal government played in creating the segregation we see in housing patterns today. But first, if you haven't noticed, we're in the middle of a little trade spat with much of the world. And by that, I mean we're headed to an all-out trade war with many of our foes and allies alike. It was a campaign promise that helped President Trump win states like Michigan in 2016 that we were going to do trade differently than we have for decades now. And one big part of that promise was renegotiating or just simply withdrawing from NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. This week, Trump announced that he had renegotiated parts of that 24-year-old agreement with Mexico. He's calling the New Deal the U.S.-Mexico Trade Agreement. But one of our NAFTA partners is missing from that name. It's not clear whether Canada will be part of this new trade deal, and that could have especially big implications for us here in Michigan. That's what we want to drill into a bit this morning, what all this means for the auto industry and for our economy here in Southeast Michigan. To help us do that, we welcome Dustin Walsh, senior reporter for Cranes Detroit Business. Dustin, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Jake. So you've been covering this closely all week. Uh, Catch us up quickly on where we're at with these negotiations and tell us some of the big looming questions that we still have. Well, we've we've it's sort of complicated because uh, the president came out this week and said that we have an agreement in principle with Mexico uh, on a trade agreement and then proceeded to say that if Canada doesn't join, we will um, implement tariffs or, or do something to force them to do so. Um, but I think it's really important to note that all the, the details in the agreement, which have basically just been reported on the fringe, we, we haven't seen the actual agreement yet, um, it, it's it's likely that, that this U.S.-Mexico trade agreement isn't going to happen anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's not it's a done very, deal. What's that? This is not a done deal. Absolutely not. It's it's agreement in principle, and there's a lot of uh, reasons why it won't happen. Um <clears throat> Because we can't necessarily have a bilateral agreement uh, under the provisions that we're negotiating. Um, so it's a very difficult, complex thing. Um, and so business in the area really doesn't know what to do with it yet because uh, it's likely these changes won't happen unless Canada just comes in by Friday and agrees to it, which we have no indication that they're going to do so. Yeah. And, and auto companies are long-term planners, right? We're talking planning at least four years out, I, I believe. Uh, of course, this isn't the first time that the industry has had to deal with big policy changes from the federal government. But what does something like this mean for their abil- ability to plan for the future? Well, yeah, it really depends. It depends on if, if the agreement can somehow if Canada comes on board and jumps onto it. Um, you know, it, it, we don't know exactly how long it's going to be for for, for certain provisions to take place. Um, hopefully the industry will get its say and will be able to say that we want, you know, many years to be able to accomplish this. Um, because it does take it does take quite a bit of time to get congressional approval and go through the process. So they will have a lot of time, but it really depends on the finite details. Is there much that we can decipher uh, at this point about what you know when we what we know about you know what's coming out about this deal with Mexico at least, what this could mean for auto companies and especially the overall effect here in Southeast Michigan? Sure. So I mean, it's really going to be more difficult on the supplier side. Um, you know, the requirements are, are content-based is, is kind of the big one. So current content is it all the parts in, in cars have to come 62.5% from the NAFTA region. Uh, the new agreement jumps that up to 75%. Domestically speaking, most cars 
uh, made in U.S., Mexico, and Canada already reached that 75% goal. Um, and that's really, it's favorable to the domestic automakers, but, but not always. The, um, the Honda Accord, for instance, has well over 80% NAFTA content. Um, so, so it's really about those cars that maybe don't. Um, and, and the issue also becomes, how do you define that? Because a lot of parts, um, it, they start being made in the United States, then they're shipped to Mexico and become a complete transmission or, or whatever the part may be. Um, so that'll be, that'll be really critical um, how they plan and, and, and how much shifting of production needs to occur. Part of what we know is that this would implement, I believe it's a $17 uh, minimum wage for auto workers in Mexico. Is that right? $16. So $16, yeah, the way that yes. works is at least 40 to 45% of the content on a vehicle has to become from, has to come from workers that make $16 an hour. Now we don't know how they're going to splice that average. Is that going to be a nationwide average, a statewide average, a countywide average, a company-wide average? Um, obviously that would have some, some serious effects in the United States if it was spliced down to the company level, um, uh, or plant level for that matter. You know, there's plenty of plants in the South or even in parts of, you know, Battle, Battle Creek, Michigan, for instance, has a couple of auto plants there. They don't average $16 an hour. Mm. Um, so, so that'll, that'll be kind of a, a fuzzy subject until they kind of determine, you know, which, you know, we can make the assumption that it's nationwide and that it's really just trying to raise the wages in Mexico. Um, but we're not sure what sort of effect that's actually going to have. Yeah, uh, we we have uh, just less than a minute here, uh, and I'm sorry to you know give you a big question right at the end. But uh, I'm curious, generally, what has NAFTA meant for our local economy, especially here in Southeast Michigan, since 1994 when it went into effect? Right. So so it's it's hard to it's hard to place that if if we were talking just jobs, it, NAFTA has cost a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. It has claimed a lot of manufacturing jobs that those move to more low cost regions such as Mexico, but it's also created a lot of jobs. It's turned this more into an engineering center than it was a manufacturing center. Obviously that 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 has led to some of the the uh, middle class malaise, we'll call it um, uh, of those people that kind of lived in this Goldilocks era mm-hmm. of being able to be um, unskilled workers and making a lot of money. So that kind of, that, that kind of you know, uh, uh, cre- created some conflict on that side. Um, but economically for us as Michiganders as a whole, that maybe not even be, you know, working manufacturing jobs, that's meant cheaper products, um, more access. You know, it's, it's largely been a good thing on that side. So sure. it really depends on where you are. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot that will unfold with this going forward. We will revisit it. Justin Walsh, senior reporter for Cranes Detroit Business. Thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. Thanks, Jake. Coming up, Stephen Henderson speaks with author Richard Rothstein about his book, The Color of Law.